Winner. Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the Star Wars saga began, and Kenner continues the excitement. Star Wars figure. The Empire Strikes Back turn of the Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. It's the Cast. Newest news on oldest toys, from bubble bath to belt buckles. 12 packs to 2 packs. New boss, alien bounty hunter. From the, from the, from the, from the, from the Star Wars collection. Watch out, watch out! We bring the world of vintage Star Wars memorabilia alive! With informative features and personal collecting stories. Offer expires December 31st, 1979. An Octavito with Tempest The Supreme Master, the Emperor. Brought to you by the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Sky and Steve analyze and review Solo, a Star Wars story, by breaking down which vintage Star Wars collectibles will benefit from the movie and which ones will suffer from it. From Snoopies to Troopies, Chewie to Han, and from 3PO to Gonk, we cover it all in our now traditional Top 10 Winners and Losers list. How can a new movie impact the collectability and desirability of 40-year-old toys? Listen to find out our take on the 90th Kivecast Vintage Pod, a podcast story anthology, solo, a Star Wars story podcast, Star Wars Collector's Archive, podcast, pod, vintage, story, podcast. Wampa Wampa! Welcome to the Kivecast 90. Whoa. Nine, yes, <laughs> nine, nine zero. Uh, this is our uh, our show exclusively dedicated to talking about Star Wars, a Han Solo story, uh, Chewbacca. Um, so you mean Chewie a Chewbacca story? Yes. Um, it's it's funny because Steve asked me if there was background noise. You may hear a fan. Um, the air, my air conditioning's broken for the third year in a row. Oh no! Um, and I got my dog. He's he's running up, making little click clacks. You might hear him in the background. <laughs> Of course, Steve and I are busy planning the next archive party. Yes, yeah, it's it's uh, officially the ball is rolling. So yes, and Steve, did you notice how I, I took the lead on that? I started up that. It, ah, I was. You texted me at like five in the morning or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, that was great. It was just uh, uh, it got me really excited too. So, but, but listen ah. to listen to Kivecast number ninety one for more details on that. Yeah, because yeah. we're just talking about the movie, Steve. Yes, right. Han Solo: A Star Wars Story, as it's called. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we're we're not going to talk about the fact that there was another forty-five back C-3PO sold today. <laughs> Wait, what? Okay, fine. We'll talk about that. So, if you've been listening to the show sequentially, you've been you listened to the uh, last blog log pod, right? Um, and based on the feedback, you didn't. Um, but uh, if you did, you'd notice that the first ever 45 back C-3PO was sold, um, and then the second one was sold, and then today a third one was sold, Steve. Um, really? Along with two other figures for $3,000. So. Huh. So is it, was it from Hong Kong as well? Yes, it was from Hong Kong oh, as well. Oh, man. The well is open. <laughs> it has, but, but we'll save that for 91, Steve. We, yeah. We've got to stay yeah. focused on, yes. on uh, uh, Solo, Han Solo, a Star Wars story about Han Solo. So the way that we've usually done this is instead of giving a review, because who cares what we think about the movies besides some people, um, we do the sort of the top 10 winners and top 10 losers. Right. And, and I have a list here. I actually I drew it in my son's sketchbook um, <laughs> during his uh, band concert today. You made kind of like a, a word cloud here. I did, yeah. I'll, I'll put pictures <laughs> up on the enhanced version. Let's talk about you. Okay. <laughs> 
what, what would you like to know? <laughs> okay, so, so th this is the deal, Space Freaks. Um, as you know, Steve has another Star Wars project that he cares about more than this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and that's called Star Wars at the Movies, starwarsatthemovies.blogspot.net. And um, <laughs> no, what is it actually, Steve? Uh, StarWarsAtTheMovies.com. You, okay. you had it right, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and he wrote an amazing write-up about the movie. Really, Steve, it was really well written. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> it was good enough that I was angry that you were wasting all of your good ideas on something that isn't the show. Um, <laughs> See, this we got to split. It's an outlet. Yeah, we got to divert. Keep things. Keep things focused. Right. Yes. But I do want to go on a tiny rant. If that's okay. Uh oh. Yeah. I mean, why not? All right, Steve. I, I, I just I can't take the internet anymore, Steve. Well, mm, see, I had a feeling we might have the the same the same rant rant pants up inside us. <laughs> but not only the internet, like what the internet's done to our brain. There's a kind of of film review that I now call the "cause I can" film criticism, can. where people, and I mean small-minded idiots, just sit there with a pen and a paper in their mind, taking notes of things that seem illogical. And they have like a set of little check boxes that they go through, just dying to see a mistake that they can talk about, to feel smart, to feel like they're smarter than the thing that they're watching. And they're watching <laughs> idiot movies for idiot children, right? And they're sitting there and they think that they're some kind of brilliant film critics when they're not. Like you're watching, not garbage, but you're watching something that's not intended to be held up to a higher standard. And if it is held up to a higher standard, it's to be held up by someone who's smarter than you, okay? It's like if you've ever watched that Cinema Sins uh, thing on on YouTube, you know it's really entertaining. They go through a movie in 17 minutes, pointing out all the little things that are wrong and the right, right. But it's complete idiocy. It's it's stupid. It makes you stupider for watching it because we're like pushing towards a, a world where movie criticism is going to be only about pointing out things that are concretely evident. You know, like yeah, this right. doesn't work. That doesn't make sense. And I. I made the mistake because whenever a new Star Wars movie comes out, I listen to everything immediately and whatever Ooh. I can. Yeah. And so I listen to these two podcasts. Steve, you know me. I'm, I'm an intellectual. Yes. I'm a snob. I listen to a lot of NPR. Editor note, I'm not just referring to NPR and their podcasts on spoilers, but I actually was particularly mad about something that wasn't NPR, but in the same vein. That was a podcast called Slate Spoiler Specials, which is just the worst lowest common denominator, middle brow, junk. All this because I can. Oh, I'm getting started again. All right, let's get back to the show. Ugh. <laughs> the NPR, uh -oh. I don't know, spoiler cast or whatever it is, is the worst, yeah. the worst bit of film criticism I've heard in my entire life. Yikes. I mean, man. we're talking Kevin Smith saying that he likes Batman v Superman is better than this. <laughs> It is these three smarmy, just self-loving, just every single thing they said was dismissive and arrogant mm -hmm. and laughing and joking. And it's like they're supposed to be the gatekeepers. I tell you, it, like, it like, like turned me into like a Trump voter for five minutes because I was like, who are these idiots who think that they get to tell me what's smart? They don't even – they can't even see the nose in front of their face. They kept on saying – this is a great movie for answering all the questions you never asked. <laughs> they oh, kept saying this. Oh, man. Steve, I'm getting angry. I'm yeah. going to break this pencil in my hand. It's like, Take it easy. Take it easy. I know. But like they, they, they kept on saying, like, did you want to know how he got his last name? <laughs> Neither did I. But we got it anyway. It's like, listen, dick. 
I enjoy that. And it's okay if you don't, but don't act like your opinion has any kind of an inherent truth just because, yes, objectively, you can look at that scene and say it's cheesy. But that doesn't mean you're right. Because I can't. Okay, All right. so we are going to spoil it. And I know a lot of people haven't seen it because they are protesting The Last Jedi, Steve. Oh, Lord. And the last thing before I get to the top ten, of course, if anyone, if some of our listeners are friends with me on Facebook, you'll know that my number one favorite thing to talk about in the world is Kanye. Um, and <laughs> Even the, more than, than Chewbacca. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and there's one line in his song where he brilliantly puts forth the sort of pro and con of uh, supporting Trump and the way that he did it and... I, I truly believe if everybody in the world listened to that song and really understood it, we would solve all of our problems. Um, but he has this line where he's sort of talking about it. And he just goes, I know everyone's emotional. And that's how I feel with a lot of this internet criticism. It's like, yeah, it's like I know you're emotional. It's okay. Just take it easy. Like, <laughs> don't, don't lead with that emotion. You, you didn't like it. Good. It's just take it easy. You don't, yes, you, take, take it easy is something that I think that a lot of people should should remember when it comes to Star Wars, but they don't. And and I swear, Steve, the the correlation between the 2016 election and the reaction to the Last Jedi. No, I'm serious. <laughs> With it, like in 20 years, yeah, you'll yeah. be able to draw a straight line from one to the next, because yeah. our 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 like our our sense of like outrage and anger and tribalism it got excited by the election. And I think in sort of like a weird, perverse way, we sort of got off on it. You know what I mean? Like, collectively as a country, we have like this sort of weird, sadomasochistic sexual pleasure with Trump and people who hate Trump. I, I think that's part of the reason why it's popular. It's just like, we can't get enough of the conflict. Oh, I've had plenty. Enough. <laughs> right. And, and you'll know when you've had enough when you stop talking about it. Um, but I think like... The Last Jedi just ended up being the 2016 election of Star Wars movies. Yeah, I, that's a that's a fair correlation, I'd say. And everyone's yeah. emotional, and they lost their mind. And yeah, and I don't know. I don't think that's happened with Solo. I don't think people have lost their mind. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um. All right, you ready for your for your list? Your your word cloud? <laughs> yes, we're word cloud. Now, Steve, okay. do you have your own list of of top ten uh, winners uh, and losers? So I didn't do a top ten. I kind of put things into a couple groups. Um, I have winners, and then I have losers, but winners. So they're they're not exactly losers. They're losers in the traditional sense of, of these episodes, but I find them winners in another way. So okay. that's I'm sure some of those will kind of cross over with what we've got. So we'll I'll okay. I'll chime in when I have them. Okay. So then my list will be the through line, and you can add in on yes. that. And once again, let's right. just make this clear. Okay, this is not the top ten best and worst characters of Han Solo. No. A Star Wars no, no, story. No. Okay? <laughs> I don't care at all what you think about these characters. That's not where we're trying to go with it. We're trying to think of it in these terms. Like, what vintage collectibles will be most helped and what vintage collectibles will be most hurt by this movie and its marketing and its existence. And, right. uh, and that's what we've done for the last three Star Wars movies. Right. And, oh, vintage relevancy. Yes, vintage relevancy. <laughs> so without further ado, actually with a lot of ado, I've had like yeah. way too much ado at this point. Um, <laughs> let's get to our top ten list, Steve, All with right. the number ten loser. Ten loser. Yeah. 
Is it her? B-Wing pilot. Of course. Of course he is. <laughs> Let me tell you why, Steve. He Please wa- do. He wasn't in the movie. No, no, he wasn't. He had nowhere to be found. So this is the fourth one of these that we've ever done, and he's usually the number 10 loser, and I think he should just always be the number 10 loser until he makes it into yeah. a movie. See, I think, yeah, that or I somehow end up not in last place in fantasy baseball. They, they should correlate <laughs> right. where, where, where he is, so I'm, I'm all right with it. I'm, I'm comfortable comfortable with losing but but honestly too it was hard to find that many losers in this movie yeah I, okay i had i had the same the same uh feeling so i'm, I'm glad that, that we're on the same page there yeah i kind of had more winners than losers although i guess it is a question about whether or not the movie itself is going to be a loser for some vintage collecting right okay. which i think it could be but i think we'll get to that in later conversations and the number 10 winner steve mm-hmm. 10 winner winner you win Perfect. Is Bosk. Okay, yeah. All right. I, I had him in the plus column too. Okay. I, I just like that they mentioned him. Uh, I, I like the way that, you know, Dengar wasn't mentioned. I almost made him the number 10 loser. Um, IG-88 <laughs> wasn't. Like, there was one thing that I liked about the movie was there were a lot of throwaway super nerd references. There so, were. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes like for me having that is better than having something visual thrown in your face, which is something that has driven me crazy about the last few of these new movies. Right. You you mean uh Finn picking up the uh remote? Oh, that is the worst. That's my least favorite thing in the entire movie of Force Awakens, I think. Is that. Well, and actually I looked at the the making of Solo um book and there's a thing where the um the little weird sex robot is holding up um the remote in the Falcon. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, and so it turns out they didn't use it. Oh, and oh, also good. one of Chewbacca wearing Stormtrooper armor. It is very weird. What? Yeah, That's it's, interesting. It's, it's worth checking out. Okay. But, but yeah, so I, I like that they just mentioned Bosk, and it, there wasn't like a big moment. It wasn't a big, you know, it's... it's I, I like <laughs> that they went there, and then also just the amount of really obscure references that they made to EU stuff. Yes. That yeah. nobody was really looking for because people who are into the EU aren't going to be happy with this movie anyway because it just right. yeah, no, destroys no, everything. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah exactly. A really deliberate reference to that terrible video game where that was. Um, oh, man. There's Mortal Kombat, but for Star Wars. I love that game. The game was awesome. Oh, Steve, that, that's just because you're eight years old, man. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if we've talked about how good I was at Mortal Kombat 3 growing up. Um, but, you know, I, oh. I used to go down to Tommy's Pizza in, in Harvard Square and I'd bring 50 cents and I'd play for like three hours. No one could get me off the machine. And I would pick randomly, by the way, Steve. I'd play any character. Yeah. I knew all the combos, all the combo breakers. So like that was my favorite thing in the world. And then Star Wars was my favorite thing. And then they made a Star Wars fighting game. So that, that was a severe disappointment for you? Mas- Masters of the Tetris Kazi or whatever it was. Yeah, so something the, like that. Yeah. The fact that they had Khaleesi <laughs> say that. Um, so, so that's the realm that I would put Bosk in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we could have seen his soft, baggy face, but maybe it was better that we didn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, I've sort of become uh, Facebook friends with uh, Mark C. from NZ, as I call him, uh, a, a guy from New Zealand. Uh, uh-huh. He's been he's been sort of going through all of our episodes and uh, kind of sending me notes about what he thinks about them. Uh, oh, that's cool. He's an artist, and he also collects posters from the band The Smiths. So it's, it's that seems fun. like a match, match, a perfect match for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a, he's a Bosque collector, so he was very oh. excited. So okay, 
It's and, and also, Steve, I should mention that uh, I put up on our Facebook page uh, a place for people to say who they thought won and lost. Yes, um, there's and, some great, great submissions in here. And I'm going to be citing some of them. I stole some of the ideas from people. Uh, and <laughs> I think we should just really just emphasize the fact that our Facebook page is really where most of the, the feedback is going to be read and, and appreciated. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's a that's a fair call. Um, so, uh, all right. For the number nine, let's say number nine winner. Okay. Nine winner. Winner. I think it's the Death Star droid. Okay. Yeah. That that's. Yeah, that was one in your in your your graphic that I hadn't thought about. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Um, just just because a good moment there. <laughs> he gets a great moment, and, yeah. and this is the thing too. And this happened with Last Jedi as well. Just people saying that it's not funny. They're like, that's okay. But if you think it's funny, that's also okay. So, like, you can't <laughs> right. objectively say, like, Last Jedi, take for example, Poe, um, like, tooling around with Hux. Like, mm-hmm. like, I think that's funny. And, and someone might think that's not funny. And I understand why someone would say that. But it's also okay for me to think it's funny. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I had the same, uh, the same thought about, about this one. I think of the the buzzword seems to be fun and there was a lot of fun in the last jedi that didn't quite maybe just didn't land the same way with with people but i think like what you're talking about is exactly that right and and i've read a lot of reviews about about this movie where they say that the comedy isn't good and then it's not funny but Hmm. it's kind of like yeah i mean well okay i laughed and my and my kids laughed and my dad laughed and and most people in the audience laughed and then i saw it again and most people in the audience didn't laugh so like yeah it's an action like it's a sci-fi action movie that's not a comedy and they injected some comedy to their credit they didn't try to marvel it up they didn't try to jam no. jokes in every 5 minutes no like, no like that scene in infinity wars with the big blue guy sitting there eating potato chips which is just a terrible See, I've, scene i've already forgotten it <laughs> oh my god he's like i'm invisible you can't see me the joke goes on for like 5 minutes it's just yeah. not Anyway, uh, maybe I'm being a "cause I can" film critic. I don't know. Uh oh! Don't don't stray too far. Yeah. But I, I I like the movie. I didn't want to like the movie, but I did. So there you go. Um, but this isn't uh, Infinity Wars thing. No no. no. All right. Uh, so Death Star Droid. He's he's a he's a winner. I I I'd agree with that. He's a winner, particularly because I want to focus a lot on on the side characters, the the bit characters, the small characters from the original trilogy. He's one that makes an appearance, and very few don't. Much like right. our number nine loser, which is another kind of stretch. Nine, nine. loser, loser. But I'm going to say the Rancor is a loser. Oh, really? Okay. Well, yeah, because the best scene I mean, in the movie yeah. is is oh, the main character oh, boy, yeah. being thrown into a pit with a yeah. monster. Yeah. No, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, that that is. Yeah, I was going to get to this at some point, but that was easily my favorite scene of the entire the entire thing i was uh, i was just like stoked for you when i saw that <laughs> and, and when i see it again the scene of han and chewie meeting for the first time in the fight that's the reason i'm going to go again like i've seen yeah, it twice right. and i'm going to go again just to see that but the reason that i say rancor is because i actually thought it was going to be a rancor and it was really oh. funny because zola leans over and goes uh, my daughter she leans over and goes my 10 year old daughter leans over and goes it's gonna be Chewbacca, and I go, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you're right!" Like, so the whole time I thought it was going to be just like another random another monster, beast. yeah, yep. right, yeah, that's funny. 
So you can, you can tell I didn't quite know what to do uh, with with uh, with losers number nine and ten. Yeah, yeah. All right. For the number eight, what do you want, winner or loser, Steve? Uh, let's let's go winner. Eight, eight, winner, winner, eight, eight. This may seem pretty low on the list, but I would say the Falcon. Wow. Low? That's low on the list for me, yeah, but it's definitely... Okay. All right. I, I thought it was a winner, but I don't know. There's also... Okay, in some ways it's a winner because it's one of the main characters in the movie, and it's got a big reveal, which for some reason they didn't put the sound that you associate with the Falcon. That, like, they didn't do the Falcon light motif when you see the Falcon for the first time, which is a weird bit of musical restraint, but I'm sure we're going to get to music soon. Yeah, um, yeah. But, like, I think also, I almost put it as a loser because we might be headed to some Falcon fatigue. Um, We're coming close to it, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Already episode nine is going to start with everybody on the Falcon. Yeah. And episode eight was all about the Falcon and seven was all about the Falcon. Yeah. uh, Yeah, you have to to be careful here, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, we're getting close. I'm not quite there, but I, I am definitely close. Right. So that's why I didn't put it in the top five or whatever, even okay. though it seems right. like it's this big thing. Like, I think in the long term, I mean, in terms of collecting, obviously, um, it doesn't hurt the Falcon, and it kind of no. minimally helps it. But it's just, yeah, it's just, it's it's a little bit omnipresent. Yeah. yeah. See, to me, my problems with the Falcon aren't so much what it's what it's doing, but it is it's some of the music associated with it now. That that's where it, it starts to feel more fatigue for me. Um, okay, Steve, get on your rant because this, this is on your <laughs> StarWarsAtTheMovies.com. Here comes it. Steve's okay. rant. I'm just gonna lay, lay back. All right. Well, it's I, I like that you mentioned the, the the musical restraint when they reveal the Falcon, and I saw somewhere that the composer John Powell he had said that when you see the Falcon, you see that you kind of hear the main Star Wars theme, and uh, I guess he kind of used that as a as a destiny theme for Han, which I, I was okay with because it's used in a couple spots where it's not completely off the wall. And I thought with that, cause you do hear a slight kind of muted Falcon motif once they've already made the big reveal and they're walking up to the ship, which I thought that worked. But what just kills me in these new movies, except for The Force Awakens, is you start hearing the same... TIE fighter attack music anytime the Falcon is getting chased by TIE fighters, which is happening every movie. Uh, p- please um, sing it. Ah, the, the dun 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 that, that thing, you know? No, no, keep and going it's... and I'll do the next part. Okay, fine. I'm no David Collins, man. I'm not gonna. That's dangerous. But. So this, you hear it again in, in the in the big Falcon scene here, but then what really broke my heart was they took probably my favorite piece of music from the original trilogy, which had never been touched, and they put it in there, which is the, the asteroid field. I just, I sunk in my seat. I'm like, no, no, leave it alone. But they didn't. And, and can uh, you please sing the asteroid theme? Oh man, that's, that's, that's a complex one. That's right. the one, and then they, yeah, and they would mix it in with with Star Wars cues, which just that just I don't know. I I was not down with that, but uh, 
Anyway, that all right. Rant over. That that's that's enough well, for me. I, I love the rest. Of the <laughs> um, let's talk more about the music, because why not? Um, okay, sure. I don't think that John Powell's score was great, but I thought it was better than whatever John Williams wrote. You mean for for this movie specifically? No, no, in general. No, yes, of course, for this movie. Yeah, like, yeah I know, but so his, you, you don't like the, the Han theme so much? I mean, I can't remember it. See, okay, yeah, I, the, this has happened every time with these new movies, too, except for maybe Ray's theme from uh, Force Awakens, but I kind of came away not remembering much of the music, and uh, I have gone back and listened to it quite a bit, and I have come to really, really, really love the Han theme after okay. hearing it. All right, I'll, I'll give, give it, it a shot. Give then. it some time. Get it some time. Yeah, because uh, my problem with the music is it felt like there was the same cue that was like across the stars. Like all the music sounded like across the stars from episode two, and mm. I couldn't quite figure out why that was. Yeah, um, basically think, every t- yeah. every time that the music did something unexpected, I thought, oh, this is great. Like the guitar was great. The the yeah, chorus sure. for uh, for uh, emphysema fest, um, <laughs> like. All yeah, no, I thought that was nice. Yeah, um, but then any time they did, like you said, like when they would go back to a Star Wars theme, or when they put the the main title theme on like a Glockenspiel, it's just just go forward. It's okay. You can you can do it. You can have guitar. You can do it. You know. Yeah, yeah. Give give the uh, the Adventures of Han a little more time. Uh, it's really. I, it was weird. I thought, like, I can't remember what it sounds like, but the listening to the soundtrack and then seeing the movie again after listening to it really made it stand out. I, I love it. So Okay. Well, good. Well, right. I, you're probably right, Steve. <laughs> now, my number eight loser, eight, eight loser. is right. multiple in one. And this okay. might be a little bit controversial, but I'm oh. saying the number eight loser is Han Bespin, Han Hoth, and Han Trench. Ah... Okay. All right. Because Explain. this, well, I in in one of those insufferable NPR podcasts, they did actually make a good point. So hey, mm-hmm. um, but part of the problem with the movie is that they had to have a stupid character arc, right? <laughs> like they they had to do it so that Han like ended like not dis- disillusioned. Mm-hmm. And so we have this problem where at the end Han does something selfless that is against the character that you're going to see in the next movie. Right. So it counted on the fact that they're going to do more Han Solo movies so that eventually it's going to be like – you know what I think of it? It's like the prequels. It's (laughs) like you know that this little kid has to end an evil, twisted, you know, uh, burnt raisin, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. So it seems like they're trying to do that with this, but it's not clear that they're going to. So yeah, yeah. It, you have to end with a guy who says, I'm not in it for your rebellion and I'm not in it for you, princess, or whatever the line is. Yeah. Be- because at the end of this movie of Solo, he's like, you know what? I'm in it for the rebellion. I'm in it for you. Take my money. <laughs> Which, yeah. See, I, I, I get that. I, I could also see... You know, it's funny. We ended up watching the original Star Wars after watching this just because it, it felt like the right thing to do. And uh, it's crazy how much uh, Woody Harrelson's character echoes the just the 
the tone and, and kind of attitude of, of old school Han. And I, I didn't notice it as much the first time. You notice it, but when you kind of look back at it, there are there's some very, to me, like definitive like through lines there with him where he's basically, if you had just subbed in 1977 Harrison Ford saying some of the dialogue, it, it just seemed natural. Um, which right. I, I know I'm sure that's their intent, but yeah, I, I was, I don't know, I'm okay with it not necessarily getting right up to the point where he's kind of a, a jerk, but um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So I, I would say that the other Hans lose, you know, mainly because the, the as we'll get later later in the list, you know, just the, the standard Star Wars Han is really the Han that you see. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I mean, if, if anything, like, especially the Return of the Jedi Hans where, you know, Harrison's already given up. Um, yes. Just... <laughs> yeah, I had those on my loser list mainly because yeah, they I guess in terms of their 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 look, they don't really seem to, to jive with this so much, but cuz he had him wearing his his snow gear kind of and he he, he had a, a similar Bespin-y look, but yeah, I think it all still draws back to that that original. Right. Although I will say it's funny that um one of the Okay, so this is one of the main things about the movie. I totally, again, I understand why people would think that the callbacks were lame, but I just sort of enjoyed them. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know why I didn't get bothered. I, I guess I guess because my expectations were so low. Um, I think the my, my three-word review was fractured but fine. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, the tone's fractured and some of the ideas yeah. aren't that good. And, and actually, a lot of the acting really isn't. I mean the guy who plays solo does a good job sometimes and other times he doesn't and it's kind of heresy but even donald glover isn't always great in it i mean the first time i saw it i'm like he's the greatest the second time i'm like oh mm, that's a little there's, cartoony. yeah there's a couple times where it gets a little more mimicry than than him just being the character um i'd say with him more so than than han but yeah. uh yeah and i thought they were they were good though i mean overall but but the the line yeah. i i hate you i know Oh, mm. I, I thought that was great. I, I see. I, yeah, I did too. I, and it all—it was all delivery. I mean, that could have been right. botched horribly, <laughs> but I thought they pulled it off. So anyway, that—that's just kind of going back to some, nothing at all. I don't know why I'm talking about that. See, um, this is this is the great the, the no rules of the of the winners and losers. This is how it kind right. of plays. <laughs> so for number right. seven, uh, number seven loser. Seven loser. I actually hadn't really thought of it uh, as a loser, um, but uh, Andrew Norton from the Facebook page uh, mentioned that X-Wings are losers. Hmm. Yeah. And this is going to be a pretty consistent theme of like things that are losers because they used to be a part of Star Wars and then now it turns out they're not always a part of Star Wars. Right. So right. you just kind of expected to see one kind of in there. Um, and then I, a couple other people mentioned Thai bombers. Uh, as, as being uh, as being winners, yeah. actually, not a couple other people. Actually, it was just uh, uh, our uh, Grammy daddy, uh, Anthony <laughs> Anthony Spinnicky 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 Spinnicky. I think he got the got it right the first Spinnicopita. Um, <laughs> so yeah, our Grammy daddy, who's doing a great job with our uh, Instagram uh, feed, and actually, you may yeah. want to join up on Instagram uh, and uh, post on iTunes because you can win prizes that uh, Grammy Daddy himself 
uh, is putting up. So that was nice of him. Um, yeah. So he mentioned yeah. the diecast tie bomber, uh, and of course the things that are attacking them aren't tie bombers. Okay. <laughs> so Anthony, you're not exactly dead on with that, but they do sort of look like them, and I like the new tie fighter design. I think it looks neat, and I don't. It's not very academic, but it did make me sort of want a tie bomber more. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But number seven is no good, Steve. Let's move on to number six. Now, this is another, this is probably the most controversial one as far as the number six winner. But I'm saying the Imperial Commander is the number six winner. Imperial Commander? Okay. Yes. All right. Just the the British guy in a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because the whole Han Solo getting his last name. Yeah. I thought it was just wonderful. I thought it was acted well. I thought it was funny. It was unexpected. Okay, I get it. It's a question that nobody asked. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's true. I didn't ask. I didn't think that Han Solo... I did think it was just his surname, right? Yeah, sure. But my son just leans over to me and goes, that's the nicest Imperial officer I've ever seen. And, (laughs) And there's just something about that scene which felt, I don't know, the most like written by a screenwriter or something. It was just, just the idea of having this kind of dry actor who wasn't a jerk. Like he was a member of the empire who was just a kind of friendly guy being like, I hope you can fly, bro. I don't know. You know, we'll have to see if if you can follow orders, you can do it. Yeah. And I I thought that was, that was a pretty well executed, like screenplay E moment. I thought there were a lot of them that maybe didn't quite land, but that was one where where it did. Um, I just, so I, I like that moment, and I, and I thought that I could imagine sort of role-playing that with loose figures of being, of, like, what's your name, Han? Last name, I don't have people. <laughs> and, and that was like the number one example on that NPR thing. I'm going to keep on harping on about that. But I, figured, was, I figured you would. But yeah. someone was just like, I wanted to leave the theater right then. It's like, you know what? To just leave. Just get, just get out of here. You know what? Go, go watch... <laughs> What? I don't know what you're going to watch. Whatever movie you think passes your your ridiculous test, um, it's yeah, Ugh. yeah. Um, so I have a, a relate. I'm not know if this one's going to be on your list, but I put the Adat Commander on my my winners list. No, is he I, on your? He is not on my winners list. Steve. Okay. So so how about we have dueling uh, imps? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Right. So why is the Adat Commander a winner, Steve? Uh, well. Those mud troopers and what Han basically is in that whole war zone sequence—it's basically General Veers. I mean, that that outfit um, to a T, uh, which I thought was really really cool to see. Um, and then I guess Beckett has it at least on the—he has the armor and all that. But yeah, like that helmet with the goggles and that chest plate um, to see it featured again—I thought that that was a really nice little uh, visual nod. You know what, Steve? I think you're right, and I don't think it's a visual nod. I think it's just a decision. Just this sure. is how these guys are dressed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I mean it's something that it. This is like getting back to like the the visual stuff in your face. This is what this movie does really well for me, anyways. Stuff like that is just there, and you just you don't really think about it. It's just you just kind of accept it as part of like the the language of what's going on it just makes sense right and and i would say that that 
yes, Steve, that absolutely should have been on the list. That should have been on my list, uh, the ATAT. Uh, commander, because also, I mean, talk about a lame figure. I mean, remember our episode about it? We were like, "And uh, is that how you pronounce ATAT?" Okay, how, can we can we can we stop? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it it makes that character more active, and also allows you to think of that as being more than someone who just sits on a ship and right, and just right. looks dumb. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I I loved all the stuff on the mud planet. I thought that was an Me excellent too. planet. Uh, I yeah. think. I think with a lot of Star Wars, and I, I've noticed this ever since Episode Two, you can sort of break Star Wars down into good planets and bad planets. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That, that even the best, okay, the best Star Wars movies, there's no bad planets. But like the bad <laughs> Star Wars movies, my classic example of Episode Two is everything that happens on Naboo is terrible. Everything that happens on Coruscant <laughs> is terrible. Everything that happens yes. on Geonosis is wonderful. Everything that happens on Tatooine is interesting. You know, there's a lot of... Yeah. Sort of break up these things uh, into different planets. And I think, uh, as an example, I thought everything that happened on Corellia was just horrible. Like, actually not everything, <laughs> but just the beginning. No. The, the first I, yeah, that, 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, that was my... Yeah. I was like, this is going to be bad. This is this is the problem with that that first 15 minutes to me it's like it's the bad side of the kasdan writing like Ooh, if you notice a lot all, of his movies get all hollywood like, come on steve go, go well okay so like i feel like if you'd cut out maybe i don't know 75 percent of the dialogue and just kept it to a minimum that scene would have worked perfectly but for me it's like that it's like uh they just weren't there was no restraint there in terms of just letting them talk and talk and talk and basically say the same thing over and over again um I, I, you know it's... okay so so you're i mean i'm I'm just following you steve i mean i'm, I'm yeah i'm your student right now so you're saying oh man i, I don't know about that so I you're just, saying I, that, that lawrence kasdan has a weakness as a screenwriter which is well, overwriting his characters making them speak too much sometimes i mean it, yeah like the original empire drafts and and like the Raiders draft. There's a lot of dialogue that that gets cut out. That just it it it's it's telling a, a story point, but I think isn't necessarily something you need. But I um, I, I think I, I, I think that what you're really saying is when they take out the hyperfuel. Uh, yeah. And, oh, by the way, oh, you should have heard those jerks on NPR falling over themselves trying to come up with different jokes on MacGuffin. It's like, yes, oh, no. we all know what a MacGuffin is. You don't have to keep on saying unobtainium or vibranium or whatever the MacGuffin is now. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so smart. Oh, one second. Yeah. Mm, I got to change my shorts. Like, we get it, pal. You, you know yeah. what a MacGuffin is. We all do, okay? I mean, <laughs> ever since we read, like, Entertainment Weekly about Pulp Fiction in 1994. Uh, we know what a MacGuffin is, so you're not uh, okay. Um, but when they're talking about the uh, the the juice, whatever that is, the, the juice, the, the, yeah, let's call it the juice, the, yeah. the juice. And it's like this is what we need. Yes, yeah, this no, is what no. we need to get off the planet. Yes, we can buy no. a ship. Yes, yeah, we can get off it. this planet. Yes, that's it. Do you know what we can yeah. do with this money, Steve? We can get off this planet. Uh, th- that that was all. All you needed for that entire sequence was Han saying, "We're getting out of here." <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. Like that's the cut all that. I loved everything else about Corellia. I mean, that's one of those things where I feel like there's a lot of things you know you know you're gonna see, and sometimes that can be disappointing. But for me, I think this movie handled it really well, and that was one of them. Like, I, I thought 
aside from the unnecessary speaking, I, I thought that whole opening was, was would have been great if they just trimmed it down. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say it's a bad planet. I'd say it's, <laughs> it's right. a it, it's, it, it's an interesting planet. It goes into the it's interesting category. It, it was a rough opening. If you if you look at the the art of book again, I need to get that. Yeah. Well, they have all these scenes where you see that all the chases are happening through the imperial shipyards. Yeah. Like, Why not? I mean, it's really cool seeing all the Tie Fighter cockpits and you see them. Oh through. yeah, that that would have been neat. Instead, it just kind of looked like Columbus and Ready Player One. Uh, or Columbus, like right yeah. now. Yeah, uh, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if that that has to do with the crazy production stuff. Maybe I don't know. Right. I can't, who knows? But I, I thought overall it was. It could have been. It could have been great. But it, yeah. Yeah, I do get the sense that when they finished the movie and looked at the final cut, they were like, "This, I think. I think we did it. We did it. <laughs> but this is good. This is good. We it, can do it's it." A movie. It's a movie. Um, kind yeah. of like like about maybe about three out of every twelve podcasts I put it hey. on. Like this is <laughs> that that was a show. That then I'll, I'll email Steve the next day. I think the show is terrible. Like, no, it's fine. All right. Uh, oh, that's that's good. Well, speaking of imperial uh, recruitment, I think I'd like to go through the number six and number five losers together. Okay. Yeah. I think the number six loser, uh, and this actually comes from one of uh, one of the space freaks on the on the chat here, uh, who mentioned that S- Snoopies are kind of losers. <laughs> Wait, oh, uh, uh-huh. Was Ro- uh-huh. Rob Corser. Now he calls them snow troopers, but of course, real space of freaks course, call them Snoopies. Yeah. Uh, just I that there's a snow planet, and they weren't there. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, are you a fan of the the range trooper? Yes. No. No. The range troopers are great. I thought it yeah. looked excellent. It was an awesome design. Yeah. But it it doesn't help snow troopers. No. No. It doesn't. Um, it. It's true. It, it just sort of is a reminder that it's the sort of catch twenty two that they have. Uh, and my number five loser are troopies, which are stormtroopers. Just that yeah, stormtroopers yeah. are hardly in this movie, and part of it is that they have to keep on making new stormtroopers. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it's they, they kind of cannibalize each other. You know, it's a cannibalistic world for stormtroopers in Star Wars because there's always, on the one hand, it's awesome to see some great designs that always each movie has to have its its stormtrooper, right? Right. But but at the same time, yeah, you start to kind of start to kind of lose out on the on the classics and i think so that's why i would say it was the loser and more so than in other movies because there were actual stormtroopers but all they did was just like hurt children right yeah they they were essentially like tsa yeah (laughs) they they were they were the tsa of the movie that's yeah Uh, (laughs) now you see that whole scene didn't that whole scene definitely there was a lot of things you could criticize if you were just looking for logic in that scene well but i'm not gonna be one of those guys no 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 (laughs) Uh, we're getting out of here that's it that's all (laughs) (laughs) so uh the number five winner and a lot of people suggested that on our our facebook page as well and i totally agree and that's just the the hans blaster laser pistol totally totally that that's absolutely a, a winner 
And this is another case where I think people who are attacking the movie are selling it short. Because it actually is sort of a subtle moment, I think, when Han is given the blaster. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I hadn't really noticed until the second time how much he's kind of fidgeting with it before he hands it to him. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's actually like, he's like breaking apart. Other, right. It's like it's a part of another weapon and he's breaking right. it apart and he's handing it to him. Yeah. And, and he looks at it and yes, the the director, you know, it, prequels are tough because everybody knows what else has happened and it's a different kind of art form and you can't expect it to behave like other art forms. So yes, if you if you don't know that that gun is going to become iconic, then treating it like an iconic gun before it's iconic doesn't make yeah, sense. Right. But it is iconic, so just deal with it. I mean, try understanding the instead of just criticizing prequels for the obvious reasons, why not applaud them as being a strange exercise in artistic creativity of how can you do something that's forward and backwards at the same time? Yeah, uh, yeah, and I thought that was just—it it wasn't like the the training remote. No, exactly. I think you're right, Steve. Yeah, uh, it was practical, and it was given to him by his actual mentor. So of course you'd hold on to it. I yeah. mean I mean, yeah. if if you're the kid and you're like, I just want my shot, and you're sitting around by the fire, uh, <laughs> and you've got beat mix stir, um, <laughs> the the pilot uh, sitting there cooking. Uh, <laughs> That was actually my son who came up with that joke. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, yeah, we watched the... So if you don't get the joke, so in the Star Wars Holiday Special, there's um, Art Carney plays a four-armed woman who's a, a, a cook, uh, right. a cooking show, and as she cooks, she keeps going, beat, mix, stir, beat, mix, stir. <laughs> um, and Django and I are playing Pokemon Go, and we named our four-armed Machop uh, beat mixer uh, which oh, that's good. will be funny for the one of you who plays pokemon go sure um, there's got to be one out there but yeah. the character rio by the way why do they name him rio uh, i don't know um <laughs> the, the one played by john Favreau doing a vince vaughn impersonation right uh, okay baby i say it's vegas uh he <laughs> he's actually cooking with four arms do you think that was an intentional reference to the holiday special uh, i don't know i mean i uh, I guess you could you could read it that way. Um, I, it didn't enter my mind, uh, but I don't know. Okay, we'll take that as a yes. So anyways, <laughs> while he's cooking and you have this fireside scene and the movie does a lot of work to come up with interesting Western tropes. Sure, yeah. But one thing I'll say is that I didn't actually feel that it was really Western-y. Uh, as a whole? As a whole. Yeah. And I, I sort of mean that in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Because I think um, you could have simplified things down and made it a lot more of a Western. Right, but yeah. But it didn't actually really feel that way to me. Because the scope, the the scale was so big. You know, going to right. like this planet to refine it. and. Yeah, no, it, it took pieces of, of those those kind of singular genres and i thought i thought it combined them pretty well i mean with the western stuff obviously you got they got the train and there was some westerny type music with that sequence too that i didn't notice the first time which i kind of appreciated but it's not yeah it's not hitting you over the head western like who was that alien in clone wars that basically wore a cowboy hat oh like, it's uh, not like cad bane that's right yeah it's not it's not going quite there but <laughs> <laughs> it may who knows <laughs> 
it's funny. Um, yeah. So I, I'd say that's the number five winner. And now, right. now, now we're getting to just the greatest hits here, Steve. This is where. Oh wait, wait, hold on. Before you, before you get into the the top, you want to what talk about, about the blaster? The, well, something. This is something I kind of paired with it because I had that on my list too. But Chewie's bandolier. <laughs> winner or loser? I, I had it in the in a winner, uh, just because I don't know. It, it it seemed like you had that moment where he put not the exact same thing on, but it was it was a a moment where you see him don the the gear. Um, I don't see as a chewy guy. Well, that's true. I don't. Maybe I'm not the one to, to speak to that. Well, as a chewy guy, it does make me like the bandolier strap more. I mean, I'm happy that they did it that way because it, yeah. it, it's interesting. And if you you read the visual guide and stuff like that, it explains that it's just because he has a shotgun in this movie, right? So right. he needs shotgun shells. Sure. And so the other bandolier strap is the ammunition <laughs> for the bowcaster. Yeah. Uh, uh, the only thing that makes me a little bit where he's like, okay, so that means there's going to have to be a scene of where he gets the bowcaster, and it's going to have to be a big deal when he gets the bowcaster. <laughs> it feels like they're setting it up for like each movie, uh, a big weapon yeah. shows up. Um, but I, uh, no, I like the bandolier. But I just, I don't know if I don't. It doesn't have the same weight as the blaster, sure. No. I, but it was more of like a, a tangential winner. Okay. And ex- accessories. I, I I accept your tangential winner, Steve. All right. Um, oh, another tangential winner is uh, definitely buy the Han Solo card game that is for sale at toy stores. So it's a, it's, Wait, a, it's a version of Sabacc. Okay. Um, and the cards look like they do, and you know you can just use chips instead. It's kind of like Twenty One, uh, but it's definitely a fun game to play. So if you see it, uh, that gets the sky stamp of approval. So Steve, as I like to do, the top four are all very connected. Oh, actually, that's yeah. not true. They're somewhat connected. Okay. Um, thematically right. connected. I would say the number four winner, and this is kind of an aggregate winner. Four, four winner. But it has to be Power Droid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the like, BattleBot gonks, was that was pretty great. There's BattleBot gonks. There's Revolution gonks. Revolution gonks. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that- <laughs> like, like <laughs> slamming a... a, a slamming like this like <laughs> like tablet tablet the- <laughs> on the thing the whole scene the whole castle breakout was just great with the robots yeah. going crazy yeah and and the cuts of that one kind of just stomping on the on the control panel i don't know why that was one of the funniest yes, shots that's the one and, and and when i saw it for a second time with my kids like they both did the pantomime with their hands like they were immediately there and yeah and that's great because the visual effects weren't that super like you could just sort of tell they were just like you know, just weird robots being moved around. Right, yeah. Uh, um, but I, I put it in the sort of aggregate because the power droid consistently gets propped up in every Star Wars movie. It does, it's, yeah. I, I think the only exception was Last Jedi. It was the only one where the power droid wasn't prominently featured. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So I think I put it on the loser list then. Yeah. Um, but again, much like the, the Death Star droid, these secondary, tertiary background characters that we love as vintage collectors, and I'm definitely getting there, Space Freaks. Um, <laughs> the ones that do make it in definitely get a, a bump. And I think they yeah. get a bump more than the main characters who are in the movie get a bump mm-hmm. because it creates a sort of continuity and it makes these small, meaningless characters more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, the 
Yeah, I, yes. Because <laughs> one thing Star Wars is known for, Steve, and I'm getting to the number four loser, okay. is it's known for always including the same droids in every movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So C-3PO is the definite number four loser. Four losers. And R2-D2 might be as well. Yeah. I can't tell if R2-D2 is in the Imperial Recruitment Center. There's a chance that he's in the background. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember seeing some other R2 units, but yeah, yeah. But I would say... Okay, I thought about this a lot because when I think about Rogue One and I think about that forced-in scene, mm. I'm like, oh, Ugh. that's just terrible. Ugh, uh, uh. Right, I, I agree. Yeah. Except now I've changed my mind. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> they could have just made it that C-3PO and R2-D2 were the Stan Lee of Star Wars movies. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, It seems like that's kind of where they were headed. Um. And I know that Marvel and... and Star Wars aren't the same, but I don't put it this way. I don't know if they should have done that, but if they did do that, it would have been better for those characters. Just the idea that they have to always appear and yeah. just to not have them. I think definitely makes them a loser. And it, yeah, see, yeah, I had them in my losers, but winners category because I, to me, I, I kind of get the, the opposite. Every time I see them again, it to me it's it's it impacts them negatively. But that's not not from a collecting standpoint. That's just that's just personal. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. It, it could end up. It, it was a winner for the movie, a loser for the toys. Yeah. Right. Now, when we have uh, the Squidhead episode, which should be episode number ninety-one, we are hopefully going to have uh, a Space Freak of the Week or guest, or whatever, uh, Mike Hooper. Um, yeah, who's uh, been listening for a long time, and he's uh, contributed a lot to the archive party. So, um, thanks to Mike Hooper uh, for uh, coming up with this distinction, which I hadn't actually thought of. Okay. So, the number three uh, winner, uh, three, three, winner, uh, winner three. and loser. loser. The number three <laughs> winner is Large Head Han. The number three loser is small head Han. <laughs> and, and he's saying because uh well how did he put it? Uh, he's a very funny guy. Uh yeah. he put it um what was it? He said oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah I'm I'm gonna just quote winner, big yeah. head Han. Alden Ergwart had a pretty big head. Loser, <laughs> small head Han, because Aiden Ectrenton had a big head. Uh yeah, yeah. And I guess I wanted this just to be a place to talk about uh, talk about Aiden Aaron Wright and uh, uh, in 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 line of uh, uh, Mike Cooper's uh, jokes. Yeah, uh, it's hard to tell what this movie did for Han Solo as a collectible. What do you think, Steve? Um, I don't know. I, I think I think it's I think it's pretty safe to say, at least based on the way vintage collectors seem to be responding to it. I think it I think it helped it. Um, I, it is interesting to me. It seemed like a total flip uh, for everyone being so freaked out about another actor playing him, and, and this guy specifically, to seemingly him getting, you know, pretty widespread approval. I, I I'll say I was in the skeptical yet impressed category. Not the maybe not the two extremes, but I don't know. I, I think I think overall it, it helped. 
Yeah, he, I still can't tell how good he was. Yeah. Because he was so much better than the first 15 minutes indicated. Well, sure, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there is that weird meta thing where it does feel like he's the character from Hail Caesar. It really does. Mm, it really yeah. feels a lot of time like he's walking in uh, and Laurent Laurent, Lawrence Laurence is coming <laughs> up and would it were so simple. He's like trying to tell him and he just doesn't quite get it. I yeah. But I'll partner you and Bridge. Why the pout? Would they? It were so simple. Cut. Very good. Very good. All right, let's try this. Your line, just say it as I said. Say your line exactly as I'm about to. Just as I'm about to do. Sure. Okay. Would the tutor so simple? Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say twer? Well, you should say it like I said. Yes. Would the detour so simple? 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 Watch my mouth. Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Keep your head still. Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? I'm trying to say that, Mr. Oh, Yeah. I. I, I didn't dislike him, and I think that it will be good for the character, mainly because, and I think this will be good for everybody, they sort of got the hardest one out of the way. Yeah, like, I think so. Of all the vintage characters, they took the one that nobody can, no one can imitate Harrison Ford. No one can beat him. No. I mean, even no. Steve, the greatest talent of our generation, Shia LaBeouf, tried to take <laughs> over for Harrison Ford and couldn't do it. Oh no! <laughs> uh, and and it turns out, yeah, you can. And it was the the bravery of having somebody not trying to imitate him and having it work. Uh, I think that does help. And actually, maybe I should have put Han up higher because the main thing that it does now. And actually, I could put Han, Leia, and Luke up here, as far as uh, and Obi Wan. Uh, the idea that. We just don't have to worry anymore about those characters being replaced. Like, yeah, they they right. can be. Yeah, it, that that is that, that does put that that fear to rest somewhat. Um, I think with this one, it seemed like it maybe lent itself the most to something that maybe isn't as consequential to me. I mean, it, to me, the movie kind of it's carefree because Han is kind of carefree and. I don't know. I I think I'd still be a little more scared when it came to uh, to Luke and Leia. I, I mean, with Obi Wan, I think it's already happened. It's right. that's done and gone. But yeah, I, it definitely like. I think it it broke that that barrier, probably for good. <laughs> Which I think for vintage collectors is a good thing. And, yeah, and the the, but not the small head on. <laughs> not small head on. Steve, no. I'm going to admit something to you. Like, like you know how you have friends who are like slightly dyslexic or something, and they never know left or right, and they have to hold up their <laughs> fingers to like figure out which one's which. Yeah, I always forget which one's rare. Wait, wait, no, no, no I'm gonna remember now. The small head one is rare. I think, yeah, of the two, it's probably the the tougher one. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you you got it. You're good. Good. Um, the number two loser. I don't know. I thought about the loser. 
I might have put him too low. Um, I was actually going by uh, one of our one of our space freaks uh, suggestions, and it seemed to make a lot of sense at the time. But I'm starting to think maybe I shouldn't. Um, I said it was Boba Fett. Okay. Yeah, I I had him as a as a loser, but winner. I think in the same vein as R two and three PO, where I was glad not to see him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess I guess the reason that I put him there is this other problem of maybe this movie was too reliant on having a sequel, mm. and they pulled some stops. And I, you know, it seems like they're setting up so that Boba Fett can be in the next one, and the. The, yeah. the thing with Jabba and it'll be Boba sure. and Jabba and the whole thing will be kind of all set up. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I put Boba Fett so low, Steve. Who was that on, on here who said to say he was a loser? Um, Let's call him out and show I don't know him. if I, I don't know if I caught that one, actually. Yeah, I'm not sure it actually makes any sense. <laughs> okay, we're really going to attack whoever it was that said this. Let's see here. <laughs> well, speak... I don't know about attack. You, you can... <laughs> Okay, I can't find it anyway. <laughs> you know who you are. You know who you are. You should be ashamed of yourself. Um, but then, okay, the number one loser is going to be uh, an extended rant. So, oh, boy. So, let's just go to the number two and number one winner. Two, one, one, winner, winner. All right. I have been going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth trying to figure out which one. At one point, I had one person one. At one point, I had the other uh, one. Okay. You obviously know what these are, Steve. I, I think I have a good idea. Right. Yeah. So the question is, what? <laughs> who's yeah? Who, who's it going to be? Who won more, Lando or Chewbacca? Right. Ultimately, I put in second place Lando Calrissian. Yeah. And I put Chewbacca first. And I'm going to kind of talk about these together. Now, it's not just because I'm a homer and I love Chewbacca. <laughs> like, I actually had Lando first for a long time. Now, the reasons that Lando wins are pretty obvious. Uh, the performance was very charming. The character was fun. It was true to what we want the character to be. Um, yep. It was definitely the fan favorite. Sure, yeah. Was, a lot of it was kind of, but it's weird because a lot of it's kind of zeitgeisty. It's like the exact moment because the guy just did Atlanta and just did This Is America video. Um, and there's this sort of uh, projection onto Donald Glover that everybody wants him to be the next genius. Um, actually, I listened to a really good podcast uh talking about race and Donald Glover, how everyone just wants him to be the next black genius, that like they have a specific role in mind for what he's going to be. Yeah. Um, and I actually heard them discussing for like 20 minutes, like, is he the next Kanye or not? It's like, that, those questions aren't even related, you bigot. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think that over time, our perception of the Lendo performance, is not, it's never going to be bad and it'll always be fun. But the initial sort of like, oh my god, he stole the show. He was the best thing in it. Oh, he was the greatest. I, I think that's going to dissipate over time. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd say that you could – if I was going to go with this, I would have gone – I would have landed just where you did. Um, landed. Oh. Landed just where you did. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> but at the same time, it's hard to tell. And I almost bumped up to one because, I mean, the, the Sabak scenes were just wonderful. 
They were. The fact yeah. that they went so far with his outfits to have them just be kind of ugly uh, <laughs> was really great. And I liked the way he, he interacted with the characters around him. Uh, yeah. Like, I, one of my kind of uh, tangential winners is, is related to him. You know, I, the, the Calrissian Chronicles, that, that moment. I don't know. How, how did you feel about that? Uh, tell me. Where he's recording his his uh, his audio book of his of his adventures, oh, and he I've... he mentions the Sheru, which that was like one of the weird dumb things that I I was really really hoping that something along those lines we brought up. And <laughs> oh, so I've never so that's a book. <laughs> we talk. This is one of our like old unloved items, man. The the mind harp of Sheru. Don't you remember? <laughs> I know. I'm just. This is for the audience, Steve. I'm playing the dumb guy. Who doesn't know what I'm talking about. So it's an old book from like 1982 or something. 83, yeah. 83, yeah. and it's a Lando yeah. Calrissian adventure. Right. I thought it was the Mind Sharps. <laughs> There's the Mind Harp of Sheru, and then there were two others in this trilogy. You had the. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't. We didn't go with these. You had the Flame Wind of Ossian, <laughs> and the Star Cave of Thonbaka. I guess Mindharp of Sheru is still my favorite of those three, but uh. <laughs> and so that's what he's referencing in his captain's log. Yeah, he he's like, and then we saw it, and he's about to say Mindharp, and that's when the the riot pretty much takes over. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I think those vintage books definitely got a lot of love in this in this movie. Um, there was that weird glowing skull from the cover of that Han Solo book that was in the the yacht. Those are the two that stand out to me, but I, I haven't actually. Now wait gone a minute, Steve. Let's also not forget that the entire thing takes place on Nimban, which was the planet in Splinter of the right. Mind's Eye. Exactly. Yeah, that was another one on my on my list. That that was the first Star Wars book I ever read. Um, All right, then you know what? <clears throat> Number eleven winner is Bantam Books, as far as collectibles go. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Actually, no, we're gonna call that one point five. That's actually okay. a bigger winner than Lando. <laughs> Let's just say that, because I was trying to think of what oddball things could we put in yeah. there um, right so i've got that weird like itchy feeling there's a mosquito flying around i know it's biting me but i'm trying not to pay too much attention so i'm like <laughs> i'm like just ugh, watching them uh it was uh i would say that that's a definite a definite winner because it's they didn't seem to go it didn't seem like they were making eu references to make no. eu fans happy no no that's exactly it, it. seemed like they yeah. made eu references to just make things seem bigger and it could be throwaway or not yeah i will say that that scene i do not think it will age well though the uh him recording himself yeah because he's just yeah he's just kirk yeah, that's true. It's that's like true. Lando is not Captain Kirk. Like he's not Zap Brannigan. Like the joke isn't that he thinks he's great. The joke is that he will bang everybody. You know? <laughs> like that's that's what makes him great. He's a seductor. He's not a blowhard. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean Yeah, I, no, I guess I, I get that. I, I I'm think not... about that a little bit more. I'm just working on that. But I mean that right cuz cuz he doesn't brag all the time about what he does or what he can do. No, no, that's so, that's not his, his usual card. Yeah. No. So I would actually say that 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 puts him more towards uh, towards a, on the losing end because uh, he isn't that way. And also, just there was a lot of like uh, dick jokes because Khaleesi <laughs> was like like legitimately talking about his penis and like she got cut off. But like, right, right. I mean, that's like 
and, you know, like they're showering together. Chahan and Chewie are showering together. Um, <laughs> I think there's another one in there too. Like, it's just... well, isn't there some stuff with his droid? Wasn't there? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a sex robot. That that's. Weird. Well, he, yeah. That that I guess that's. Like, that's how does it work? It works. Yeah, so. Whoa. Okay. Um, yeah. It might have been another another one in there somewhere. <laughs> just a fair number of sex jokes, which. Yeah, I, I gotta say I'm not I'm not a particular fan of that. Yeah, yeah. So then that leads us to, of course, our number one winner, which I think has to be Chewbacca, Steve. Yeah, I, it, it's. I, I don't think I I can't argue with that at all. Um, walking away from it for me, I I think I said this already, but I was just like so excited to talk to you, and I'm like, <laughs> oh god, he's got to be like eating this up. It's. And the the, the actor uh, Ju- Jonas yeah, or Junus yeah J- Junus Suotomo yeah yeah he is fantastic like that I I don't know I, I think he it really really pissed me off when he didn't get billed on 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 that character poster where right. John Favreau and Monkey Man they they have that but not Chewie I mean come on it's, I, well I think that's going to change because he made a lot of trips on the circuit and he's a yeah, tall handsome yeah. guy. With spiky hair and blue eyes, and and he's got a good attitude. It seems like he's got seems a good like attitude. A... He's charming. He's not. I mean, I love Peter Mayhew, but that dude is. If he weren't Chewbacca, you would be uncomfortable sitting at a table with him. You know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> just he's he's very disarming, you know. Yeah. Whereas no, but... Jonas is is very. Uh, I think he's, he's the opposite of that. It seems right. like he's he's very charming, um, and I mean, I, obviously, I really like Peter Mayhew. But what I'm saying is, is that it's not that he's. He's just, yeah, disarming is what I would say. Uh, yeah. And I, you can definitely tell that Eunice has his own way of acting. Yeah. It was weird for me because obviously I think a lot about Chewbacca. I think a lot about Chewbacca's history and what is he and what is he not. And I definitely have always had the idea in mind that Han was an Imperial pilot and that he saved Chewbacca who was being enslaved and mm-hmm. that he was broken free on Kashyyyk and that yeah, it's just that's one of those things that's been implanted, yeah, for forever. But maybe it's just because I'm in this weird enlightened state, Steve. Oh. <laughs> but when it was completely not that, I was you've able- held the mind harp. You've, you've held the mind harp. <laughs> yes, I, I was able to just go with it. I was able to just say like, okay, no, now they've met in at the Battle of Verdun in space, uh, in the prisoner of war uh, cannibal camp. <laughs> <laughs> and I I was just able to accept that. And I yeah, yeah. there was so much that I liked about it, obviously, Steve. And I haven't heard anyone talk about this. Han why did how was how did Han save his life, Steve? Well getting him like like staging the fight, you mean? Like getting no, him uh, nope, 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 what, nope. what are you what are you talking about? No, of course, Steve. Of course. <laughs> how does Han save his own life? What is the key for Han saving his own life. Oh, saving his own life. Sorry, I thought you meant saving Chewie's yeah. life. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he... He learned another language, Steve. Ah, uh, ha 
and uh-huh. he didn't perfect it, yeah. but he knew enough to communicate with other people because right. cross-cultural competence matters, you ignorant jerks out there who don't know another <laughs> language and tell your kids it doesn't matter and, oh, everyone speaks English. Yeah, you know what? Maybe they do. Maybe Chewbacca speaks English, but it matters when somebody communicates to you and shows you the respect of learning your language and communicates with you, not as though you are there to serve them. You are not a tourist in this life going from place to place with your phrase book asking for beer in 17 different languages. You need to understand a culture. And the way to understand a culture, Steve, is the first place you go is language. Try to understand what the language is. How does it work? Show some respect for the people that you're with, that you're talking to, and they will respect you back. Their entire relationship is mediated through language. Language yeah. and fidelity. That's what it's about. That's what Han and Chewie is about. That's what this movie brought. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's yeah. Yeah. Every, there's a, a bad Saturday Night Live sketch based on a funny idea uh, of um, Keenan, uh, I don't know, the good burger guy, um, not understanding <laughs> how everyone under, uh, speaks every other language, mm-hmm. you know. But here, you don't know why Han speaks Sherwook, but you get to hear him try it, and you've never heard anyone ever try to no, speak, yeah. speak it before. Yeah. And obviously, it's a little bit awkward, and it's okay, they don't need to do it all the time. No, but just this moment, this this vulnerability of him trying to speak it, and he doesn't speak it perfectly, and it's paid a little bit for la- played a little bit for laughs, um, right? Yeah. But I just that's what made me happy, Steve. Was that it was yeah. language no, that, was that he listened yeah. to his his Sherwick two professor, and <laughs> and and he did what most people can't, and and that's what is it, Steve, that can turn someone from a feral, hungry beast who's been starved for three days, who's confronted with an imperial officer, what can turn that into a civilized, loving creature? But it's, it's language, because it's the connection to reason. Like That's the way that our emotions cycle through reason. So anyway. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought that that landed and played pretty well, all things considered. Given how, how silly they, they really could have made it, I think it, I think it worked just right. Well, it is a little silly, but it's, it's a, a little re- silly, but it's yeah, not 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 in the, a negative sense. It's the reality of other languages. It sounds silly when I try and speak French, you know. Sure, right, yeah. And the broke the broken language communication, yeah. Right. But it was just that little bit of respect that that's that's what did it. So um, that, if for no other reason, that just makes me happy because it's yet another example I'll be able to show in my classes and and talk yeah. about uh, the importance of learning the language because it's it's really important uh and okay so star wars is good uh, <laughs> and and again another thing those npr jokes were saying like do we really need to know why han calls him chewy like, I, I don't know no we didn't we didn't need that five seconds but it made my kids kind of go he he it made probably 80 percent of the audience go hoo hoo so so I, you know <laughs> i'm i'm sorry that it didn't please you but it's it's a funny enough line. It takes five seconds, and yeah. So yeah. So I I, I have a, a quibble. I'm wondering if if you have the same quibble. It's a it's a chewy related quibble. Um, in one of the the TV spots, I, one of the best things that they had shown, I think, before the movie at least got me really excited was the uh, the final scene where he's showing him he's showing Chewie his hand and. Uh, that audible reaction that he made in the the trailer just cracked me up. Yeah. 
And I was so bummed out when they they went to a, a stock chewy growl or you know sound for that. It bummed me out so much. I thought it was so great. I'm wondering why why that had to happen. It well, happens all the time, but well, that's still my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, the scene you know, where he shows some of the cards and, and he makes yeah. that face because it's Eunice's performance. Yes, but that's actually yeah. a really funny thing. Um, my dad, before the he went to see the movie with us. And he was like, the only thing I want to know is if they have different Chewbacca sounds. I was like, <laughs> all right. And I, I thought about that a lot. They did add a fair number of Chewbacca sounds. Yeah, no, there, there were some some great new bits of it. Um, and I, I, I guess maybe, like, I wonder if that was just Eunice's, like, voice in the right. trailer. That was just his, you know. And they, they man, it would have been great if they stuck with that. But still, great scene. Yeah, it's it's a great scene. And it is one of the weird things where... The Chewbacca sounds are like R2-D2 beeps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like you know the button that you press for the... <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> there's a certain number of sounds that he can make. Uh, right. I do wonder why they don't change this more. <clears throat> yeah. Now, I do think that's one of the, the great things missing. Uh, I don't know why Ben Burt isn't on these movies. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know what, what's going on there. Um but it's definitely like all the lasers sound different now. They they have for a while. Uh, it, it you can tell there's been a, a shift there, which which is a bummer. Um, I don't know. So I, I I that's sort of one of the kind of small nitpicks I have is just the the general. There wasn't like anything sound related that made me excited, and there's usually something sound related that makes me excited in every right, Star Wars yeah. movie. Um, yeah, yeah, whether it's like a new language or it's uh, you know a, a special effect sound. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So going back to Chewie, I mean, the scene with the two drinks is one of the one of the great classic uh, scenes. See, that's that is good casting. That's where you're like swinging swinging back the other way, like that. Ah, uh, that's perfect. And do you know yeah. why it's also perfect? Because hmm. the thing that I love about movies and fiction in general is it helps you to like find a way to make things in your own life better. <laughs> so how many times, Steve, have you been with a friend and you go and you think that you're just there with a friend and then they're off doing something else, usually talking to a girl, and, and you're just like, you're just stuck there because your friend is off doing something cooler. And you don't always have the two drinks in your hand, but for the rest of my life and for the entire time that my kids are growing up and they have their whole lives, you know, uh, they will always be able to just like imagine they're like, all right, I guess I'll drink both. <laughs> you know, just that, <laughs> that kind of resignation of like, I thought he was all right. Okay. Situation's yeah. changed. Uh, yep. No, that was, uh, that was great. And the, they did ruin all the great chewy moments in the trailers. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. The, the chess playing scene was, was ruined. Um, the the scene where he dunks the the slaver I love that oh man that, I love that uh, so much spectacular every, oh. every time when I watch it when he hits the head I go dunk <laughs> <laughs> and another thing yeah. the movie showed a lot of restraint in not having that be Chewbacca's family like when, yeah when he freed yeah, yeah, them yeah. and he hugged them it, it wasn't like Mala it was just right you know, he the, just has to save them the tribe and family line I thought I thought that was really good. Um, and, I, and the way that, that worked with that to me I, I thought it worked well yeah it, it did work well and yeah. and it also made it that if Chewbacca has a life debt to Han it feels to me that 
Han and Chewie escaped together. Yeah, so right. Han, Chewie doesn't know Han anything. But the oh, only yeah, that... time Han really gave him something was there, was where he said, yeah. you take care of yourself. And it was to help somebody else. Uh, yeah. So it really shows the, the altruistic side of Chewie. Yeah. And just going back to the, the physical, like the stunt performing with Chewbacca in yeah. this, that, that moment when he chucks him out of the pit and then they're running in opposite directions and he just yanks them across the screen. It's like so that. funny. It is so good. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. Ah, man. Yeah, all that stuff on Mimba and the whole World War One trenches, it was great. And Chewbacca coming from there and not really knowing what the story is, but finding it interesting. And Yeah, yeah. Really, really well handled, I think. Yeah, it was great. So I would say Chewbacca was the number one, the number one winner. And strangely enough, part of the reason why he's number one winner is they did a really good job with this costume. Yeah, yeah. So one might say that my favorite thing in the world would be the costume designer. But Steve, <laughs> as we will see it, it's not. <laughs> the, Uh-oh. the number one loser. One, one loser. loser. I think for four movies in a row is the Cantina Aliens. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're uh Neil Scanlon must be stopped. <laughs> this guy has got to knock it off, okay? They're struggling, they're struggling. That's no, they're for not sure. struggling. This guy is obsessed <laughs> with these weird mandible creatures everywhere. <laughs> they all look the same. Every single thing he designs looks the same. It's a cool design. He's got to be stopped. Yeah. We have to have Cantina. Okay, listen. It, I you got one finally. Oh what? One, one one Greedo in the way back. One Greedo in the way back. No, that doesn't count. I know it doesn't count. But, listen. Yeah. I I got the Denny's cards right. We went to Denny's. By the way. Oh right right. Oh by the way. Did you survive Denny's? One second. <laughs> A plug for Rebel Force Radio. Jimmy Mac's brother Billy Mac. Yeah. Does something called Puppet Lando. Oh man! And he does an impersonation of Billy D. Williams that is, honest to God, the funniest Star Wars impersonation I have ever heard. They do <laughs> Billy D. Williams reading the menu for yes. Denny's. You oh. heard this, Steve? I did hear this. Yeah, oh. I've, I've listened to it five or six times. I need to go back and listen to it now. It's the way oh. he gets the mistakes. Like, and now right. the blaster fire. Oh, the blaster fire burger. And just yeah. the, I didn't oh, have man. it with the. Yeah, uh, crunch rocks. It's so funny. Um, yeah. Oh God. You know, it reminds me of something. I, I I don't know. I think I might have told you about this, but uh, at the the Star Wars Reads event that the clubs I'm going to the last couple of years, Billy D was actually there to read where the wow things are. Oh wow. <laughs> A couple of years ago, <laughs> and Tessa and I both came to the same conclusion. It's like he had clearly. It's almost a. It's like he was acting like he was reading a book for the first time, like aloud. Right. But he also had clearly, like, never ever heard of where the wild things are. So to see him kind of get surprised as he was reading it, it was right. exactly the same That's as so Billy Mac reading reading the Denny's menu. It was exactly the same. It's uh, so good. Yeah, uh, I, it is. It, it, I couldn't believe how funny it was. Yeah, so, that was what got me to go to Denny's. Was was hearing that. <laughs> um, so we went to Denny's the first time, and it was fun because the commercial, you know, they have the they have the cards, and all the kids are at the table, and they have the cards. 
and they trade them back and forth. So I bought you know a bunch of packs until I got a Chewbacca in the last pack, and my kids trade them back and forth just like in the commercial. And yeah. we ate and it was okay. This time we go back. We go to the wrong Denny's, Steve. <laughs> First of all, that the, doesn't sound so good. The waitress was morbidly obese. Every customer was morbidly obese. Not appetizing. There's nothing wrong with being morbidly obese, but as far as like getting ready to eat at Denny's, that's not what you want as a reminder. Yeah. They didn't see this for five minutes, even though the restaurant was virtually empty. Yeah. Um, and then they wouldn't sell us the cards until the end of the meal because there's coupons and they don't want us using those coupons to for our meal. So oh, man. Denny's advertised something, which is let's go to Denny's and buy these cards and play with them and then they could deliver it. And, and my dad was hilarious because we went with him. And on the way there, it's like, <clears throat> you know, uh, people say that, that uh, fast food is bad. You know, if, if you have it once a month, it's, it's, you know, it's really not that bad. It's just food. <laughs> and then at the end, he was like, I, I, I don't think I was right about fast food. <laughs> Steve, it knocked us out for like – I was – No, it ended yeah. our evening. Yeah. I just yeah. laid down on the couch. I, I, I will never move. I will never forget the first time it was at celebration Brock went to a Denny's for the first time and it almost killed him yes. like it <laughs> this literally the, almost killed him because the, listen <laughs> listen Taco Bell and McDonald's are fine I mean seriously right, like yeah. it's bad food and you might poop but like you eat Denny's <laughs> or you eat like Bob Evans or something there's like some kind of like stomach coating poison that they put in there that no, that's, you just uh... wait for death you, if it gets you at the at the wrong time, it is yeah, it is life threatening. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm glad you guys are okay. You got your cards right. Warm so. citrus sauce. <laughs> oh. oh, stop. <laughs> yeah. So we got the cards, and I got the Chewbacca cup topper, and I got all. This. It was such a nightmare experience. <laughs> But, you know, that's the thing about, about being a Chewbacca collector right yeah, now. You, you I, I can't keep sacrifice up. sacrifice sometimes. I have gotten, like, three, like, more than four foot wide, six foot tall posters in the past couple of weeks. It is crazy <laughs> how many Chewbacca posters I'm getting. Yeah, um, you're going to have to start a, a rotating gallery, I think, is yeah. what, what your solution is going to have to be. Anyways, getting back to Neil Scanlon and yes, the Cantina yeah, Aliens. Sorry. Um, Listen, we don't need what they did in Rogue One. But what we no. do need no, 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 is no, no, just... No. We, right. it, the point has been made. The world is bigger. The world is bigger than it was in episodes 4, 5, and 6. But the world's also bigger than the kind of creature that Neil Scanlon creates. And at this point, I feel like I'm in Neil Scanlon's head. Like, I just go and it's, everything's just Neil Scanlon. <laughs> where I was going to the Denny's thing is one of the cards is one of his creatures, Therm Scissor uh -huh. Punch. Oh, right. And it's good. Is that the Lobster Man? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All this stuff is good, but I, I, I think it's just it's gone enough. It's gone far enough. We need Canteen Aliens in Star Wars movies. <laughs> just at all. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you, you need a little bit more of a presence. I think that's a, that's a universal complaint. Yeah. Um, which, which is, yeah, it's reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, those are my top ten winners and losers. Did you have anything else you wanted to add in there? No, I, I, everything that you got, I think I had on my on my list. There's nothing that that we didn't 
uh, we didn't get. I don't think. I guess we did. We talk about Lando Skiff. I thought that was oh, like, that, yeah. that falls into that that kind of just part of the scene visual, which which was I thought I thought was great. Um, yeah, I meant to put that on with my Lando and Lando Skiff. I don't think that Lando right. General's a winner because no, I, I didn't I didn't have him as a winner. Because Lando General sucks, anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think the the. It's weird because you know he wasn't wearing it, which was kind of a mm-hmm. weird bit of restraint. Yeah, I, 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 that's what made it work for me. I think. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I liked yeah. it, and I think that's a perfect example of where you can read it two ways. The NPR guys were like, "Another question you didn't have," but I don't think it's like answering a question. It, no, it's just no. Like, it's like, oh, that was a costume that he had. Yeah, no. To me, that it, it, that's exactly it. It's not. It's not answering a question. Um, yeah, yeah I so I, good. I guess the big question is what influence would this have on you know the fact that the movie isn't doing very well? Uh, I do think yeah. that the vintage market is going to take a a, a, a nosedive. Um, uh, it seems like now's the time because the movies are not hot, and I bet over the next year they're going to go down. <clears throat> yeah, so what we have a we have a year and a half to the next movie, right. so. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, um, if any of you Hollywood geniuses out there, Steve, I know you're a Hollywood genius. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, I have my plans basically set. So. Oh, good. We need to talk because we're gonna be hanging yeah. out in July. Um, All right. The reason that Han Solo isn't doing well is because it came out six months after the Last Jedi. Point. Right. Period. The end. That's it. Yeah. There's that's, no yeah. other reason. It's not that everyone hated Last Jedi. It's not that people don't care about Han Solo. Nope. It's that's just it. It's just too much Star Wars. Star Wars. They wanted yeah. to see. Hey, are we Marvel? No, you're Star Wars. So be Star Wars. Don't put them out two in a year. One a year is too much as it is. But that works. Yeah. You can it. you can sustain yeah. one a year. It, yeah. It's just a kooky mistake. So I think yeah, I think, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think this is going to tank. People are going to say Star Wars is dead. People are going to get out of the hobby. There's going to be a long wait. <laughs> Episode nine is going to start looking kind of good. It's going to be very clear. It's going to be good. I think J.J. Abrams is going to make a like a true masterpiece. I think he's going to finally make like a completely great movie on all objective levels. Let's hope so. That's yeah. my like my prediction is that Episode nine is going to be as good as the closest thing to the original trilogy that, that you can make. That's just my prediction. I think, okay. I think there's a great artist inside of him and I think he's going to do it, but who knows? Uh, let's, let's hope so, man. I hope so. Yeah. Or he'll just do exactly what he did with <laughs> force awakens, which is great. But by virtue of fact that he did it twice, it will not seem good. Right. <laughs> so that's my solo review. And that's, uh, if you want to read Steve's solo review, go to StarWarsAtTheMovies.net.com. <laughs> yeah. Kivecast will be next month. It'll be Squidhead. Uh, it will be with uh, well, my Cooper um, and your Cooper, all of our Coopers, really. Yes. And, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So uh, until next time, Wampa Wampa. Long live the beast and adios.